right, welcome on in. We got baseball, baby. Let's go. Welcome to the AI Podcast Week 21. This podcast can now order a Budweiser at a local establishment. That's how old it is. I'm Austin Coates, as always, joined by Isaiah Sanders, live from Nashville, Tennessee. Isaiah, how's the week treating you? Oh, you know, it could be better considering the Chargers start to free agency, uh, collecting uh, Khalil Mack via trade, and now they're signing J.C. Jackson to that gigantic contract. So, uh, yeah, not off to a hot start for me. Yeah, and we're going to start off talking about that, actually. Uh, the the L.A. Chargers this offseason have looked at their roster and looked at the talent that they have at the quarterback position and said, we're going to load this thing down until we have to pay Justin Herbert. And that is exactly what they have done in the last seven days. They brought in Khalil Mack, who, of course, already played in this division once with the Oakland Raiders, was an all-pro. And then they just today are now getting J.C. Jackson, who is the top corner on the market. So what are your thoughts? on both of those moves um, and what it does for a Chargers defense that was not that great last year statistically. No, their defense was atrocious last year, um, statistically and watchably. Like Teams were able <laughs> to just drive the ball down the field on them ultimately. Part of that was, uh, I think, the health of Bosa and Derwin James obviously impacting. But now you could argue like this is a team, if those four stay healthy, that's four all-pro capable players on that defense. And this Brand Staley uh, came over to Los Angeles lauded as a defensive mastermind after he spent uh, one year leading uh, Sean McVay's defense. And something to be noted, uh, they had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So I'm certain that is the method he's attempting to go here acquiring a guy like Von Miller. Obviously, he's not an interior player like Donald. He and Bosa can combine to be that kind of disruptive force along the front line. Even if Von Miller's best days are behind him, he's still an incredibly good pass rusher. Uh, or uh, uh, Khalil Mack. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm messing it up. It's Khalil <laughs> Mack. It's Khalil Mack, former Las Vegas Raider Khalil Mack. Former Chicago Bear, Khalil Mack. I was thinking Vaughn because of the Rams, Staley, McVay. Wrong Los Angeles, wrong pass rusher. So there you go. Um, that Modelo really must have gotten after me, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously Mack's impact will be significant. And then as far as J.C. Jackson goes, um, he is one of the top just straight man-to-man guys, um, and that's something the Chargers weren't able to do a lot of this past season uh, just with the guys they had at corner. So uh, they're certainly excited to add a talent like Jackson, someone that can stay uh, in coverage a little bit more on Tyreek Hill. Now, they're certainly, they're not dumb. I don't think Staley's dumb enough to leave him one-on-one because uh, Jackson has struggled in the past against guys like Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. His offense is, best offense is going to beat best defense almost every single time. And so, 
they can't leave him on an island per se, but that's not even what Staley likes to do. Staley likes to use a lot of bracket type coverages, and so we'll see Hill getting doubled, and that makes it easier when you have a top corner like Jackson that you can put on a team's number two receiver, and you have that dominant pass rush up front with Bosa and Khalil Mack. So uh, huge addition for the Chargers here. Uh, great start to them in free agency. And I believe they also signed a nose tackle, if I'm not mistaken, to help shore up the front line a little bit. Um, I can't remember who it was. There's been a ton of signings today. but And they obviously extended Mike Williams, who's going to be a, a big play threat for Justin for the next four years at least. So. Yeah. Yeah. And with this move, I think that the ball is really in the Chiefs court at this point. Denver went out and made some moves. The Chargers have went out and made some moves that have substantially changed their team. The Raiders, they haven't done much. They got a new coach, right? They extended Max Crosby. Which, the best player on their defense, of course. You mentioning the Raiders coach, Josh McDaniels. I feel like what's happening in the AFC West right now is karma for that man uh, backing out of the Colts job and um, taking other interviews and just never leaving <laughs> New England. He finally leaves New England, yeah. and all of a sudden the Broncos go and get Russell Wilson, the Chargers are loading up, and then they're still the Chiefs. And so uh, I don't think yep. McDaniels is – I like – Josh is an offensive guy, but I don't think he's going to be set up for success early here in Oakland or Vegas. Gosh dang. So. No. No. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, we're recording this a day early, but, you know, the, as of Monday night at 8.43, the Chiefs have not done oh, anything yet. Jarvis Landry, which um, I'm not necessarily thrilled about, but. Yeah, yeah, they've been tied to several different people, and I'm I'm cautioning Chiefs man, Chiefs fans now. You know, prepared to be disappointed because I don't think you're gonna get what you want. Um, and that's all I'm. Not with, that's not all I'm with Christian say. Kirk getting four years, seventy two million. We're not. Yeah, let's talk oh, about that. Gosh. That deal came out today. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, gave Christian Kirk the bag. Uh, quite honestly, for his skills and abilities. And that really changes the game in terms of the wide receiver market. You have Devontae Adams saying, you know what, I think I'm just not going to play now under the franchise tag, saying the money that this guy's making and I'm the best receiver in the entire league. Um, And then the thing that's concerning is that the Chiefs, of course, are looking to sign an extension with Tyreek Hill. And it was said that he would be making anywhere from 21 to 30 mil a year. Well, he's going to want to reevaluate that after seeing that money that Christian Kirk is going to get. And um, I don't think that's good news. No, for and I'd imagine that office. Tyreek will come in around 22 to 25 million, um, which he his value cannot be understated, especially with Patrick Mahomes as the Chiefs quarterback. So whatever that ends up being, north of 25, I would start sweating a little bit over. Um, but I think in that 22 to 25 range, I'd be comfortable giving him that contract. 
Uh, and yeah, the Kirk deal kind of blew me away. Uh, I'm not sure about the how much is fully guaranteed in that deal because, um, you know, Kirk's been okay. I think the dude's had four 100-yard games, and this is a dude that spent most of his time with Kyler Murray. Um, so it's not like he's had terrible quarterback play. Um, so I was really surprised by that. Like, I was thought this might be a guy the Chiefs be able to target, but uh, it shows you when there is a lack of options uh, in the free agency market, the guys who are available will get paid. And uh, this will be a, an okay move for the Jaguars. Uh, Kirk will at least be a productive player. Give Trevor Lawrence another guy to throw the ball to. The Jaguars also signed uh, that guard from the Commanders, uh, Brand Sheriff. So that'll help out in pass protection. Um, but that's a lot of money to boost your quarterback a little bit. Uh, Kirk doesn't quite move the needle for me as a possibly they're paying him like a number one receiver in Jacksonville. And I just, I don't see that at the moment. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree. Kind of seems like they overpaid for what they're getting. Um, that's for, of course, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Free agency in a nutshell. They had the, uh, the cap space in order to do it, of course, because that team is just, you know, for lack of a better term, a bag of bones down there. There's not a whole lot other than the franchise quarterback they drafted and a, a decent running back. So we'll see how that plays out for them going forward. Now we're going to be joined by a guest. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. We're now having another guest join us. He is 610 Sports Radio's Royals Insider. And his name is synonymous with baseball in Kansas City. He is Josh Vernier. Vern, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, have, having that lockout take baseball away, even those, those three weeks of, of spring training, it, I don't know, it, it's re-energized me and, and kind of grounded me and reminded me what, you know, the, the reason why we all became baseball fans. So, yeah, I'm down to talk ball all day, every day. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Yeah, I was, uh, I was juiced after the news came out on Thursday that they were ending the lockout and were getting the entire season, which, of course, was a big talking point um, within the lockout. So one thing we did want to address right off the bat is the new CBA, um, or at least the tentative CBA, I guess you would say. Uh, what are your thoughts on what ultimately was agreed to on both sides? Well, what I find interesting and, and, and it's going to be cumbersome moving forward is uh, the, the salary floor, right? We, we talk so much about the CBT, the competitive balance tax and how it serves as a soft salary cap. Uh, th- there's no going back on that. The cap is only going to get more and more rigid moving forward as, as we saw with, with another uh, level of uh, another tax level being implemented to try and stymie Steve Cohen with the Mets. Um, you, you go through the other professional sports, right? The, the NBA shows their books in the early eighties. Uh, that's how they get a salary cap. The NHL locks out its players for an entire year. That's how they get their salary cap. The NFL crosses the picket line. The players cross the picket line. They get a salary cap. For as pro-union as I am, and I want them to get everything that they possibly can, I would love to see this union and ownership uh, 
treat one another like they're partners, like they do in every other league because they truly are partners. The, the more money the league makes, the more money each side makes because it's a 51-49 split. Mm-hmm. A salary cap would allow a, a salary floor. Um, for as much as I've been against a hard salary cap my in, entire life, it's just, um, look, if, if baseball's not going to change the game at its core as far as the length of the games and the length of the, length of the season, Oh, you got to do something to make your game more enjoyable, coast to coast, less provincial, less. Oh, if the Royals are out of it, I'm out of it. Um, and I, I think the way to do that is to uh, implement a salary floor and probably um, a, a hard salary cap as much as it pains me to say. Yeah, so you might have just addressed my question a little bit, but I was curious as to what your least favorite thing about the new CBA is and the most favorite thing uh, with our new collective bargaining agreement. Well, my, my favorite is probably what's going to start in 2023, where you're going to face all 29 teams over the course of the season. So you don't have to wait six years for, I was going to say Fernando Tatis, but he's already <laughs> banged up. But you, you get the point. It, it, it shouldn't take Albert Poole six years to come back to St. Louis after signing with the Angels. Uh, no. That, to me, is, is my favorite. Uh, even though, uh, again, I'm just so torn because I am an old school. I, I love the 1950s and 60s baseball. I, I love all of that. I love the, the old hatred between the American League and the National League. But, but that's just gone and people like me and people older than me, we, we just need to accept it. So I love that. My, my least favorite, uh, this hasn't happened, but it, it's going to happen during the off season. And that is, uh, well, not, it's not, not the bigger, ba- the bigger base is whatever. I'm fine with that. Uh, banning the shift, uh, banning the shift to me. Um, and, and, I, and I guess it's not maybe fair to say that this is a part of the uh, CBA, but Rob Manfred can now implement in the off season with just 45 days notice. So he's going to, it seems like, ban the shift. And I, I feel like that's just as silly as banning breaking balls. So, uh, yeah, I, I, would say, I would say banning the shift is probably the thing I'm most um, disappointed about. Yeah, I agree. It's, you know, quite frankly, it's dumb as hell. It's like the football, the baseball equivalent of, you know, banning a certain kind of defense, right? right? Because someone can't beat it. And it's like, well, I mean, that's part of the strategy of the game. And so. And, and banning to, defense can be all right. As long as it's, you're not cheating. And, and that's not cheating. There are so many ways to beat the mm-hmm. shift. And I'm not saying it's easy to do it. I'm, <laughs> no. we, we wouldn't be sitting here if it was easy to do, we would be doing it. I, I understand all of that, but uh, man, it, because you, you have a legal defense in the NBA, and there, and there are things you're not allowed to do in the NFL, but it, to me, it, it impacts the game uh, negatively in their sports, where the, the shift to me doesn't impact the game negatively. It, it, it honestly could make the game better, but you just don't see the kind of adjustments uh, that, that you would have 20-some-odd years ago. Right. Yeah, well, uh, I, uh, being a, I just have to speak up as more of a football guy myself, being a Chiefs fan. Um, personally, I'd be in favor if the NFL would, um, ban two high safeties, uh, you know, having Patrick Mahomes and watching 
someone like Dan Sorensen try and play the deep half, I, I don't see a problem with it. Just <laughs> put one guy back there. Let's throw for 600 yards a game. Yep. Uh, yep. You can't can't have a safety over the top of Tyreek. You got to man him up. Go for it. Sure. See how there that we works go. out. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Yeah, well, don't tell your thoughts to Joey Gallo. I don't think he would necessarily agree with uh, what you were saying. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, he's still getting paid. That's he's true. still a sought-after commodity uh, yep. because his ability to still beat the shift with those moonshots is is so extraordinary. So, yeah, he can complain about it, but he's still a – uh, three true I – mean, still very respected within the game as far as his ability – uh, mm-hmm. with the three true outcomes. So one of the things I've been looking at as we kind of start focusing in to the Royals is that it's been a while since the Royals have had this kind of unique problem that they're about to start facing. And that is we seem to have all these positions on the diamond filled already, but we have more people on the roster that we have to deal with. And one of those guys that I kind of think is, really in a make-or-break year for his status on this club is going to be Hunter Dozier. Of course, he signed that big extension uh, a couple years ago and really since then hasn't seen a lot of success at all, really. So I'm curious to get your thoughts as to whether or not he's going to be an everyday piece in this team. Well, keep in mind next year he's making seven and a half million dollars and then in 2024, nine and a quarter. So uh, sure, there, there's always the possibility if the downturn continues all season again, like it did last year for Hunter Dozier, if that, can, if that continues, you can always get rid of a guy. You could trade him for peanuts just to unload that contract. But when you owe you know, nearly $17 million after this year, this year they're paying him a little bit more than $4 million, uh, you're going to give him more opportunities uh, because it's either uh, pay him to go away or just give him away so someone else has to pay him. It's, it's, it, it's a lot like Adalberto Mondesi to a certain extent. I, I know you're not paying Mondi the big bucks, but um, you, we're already so invested. If you're going to go somewhere else and flourish, uh, or if you're going to flourish, it might as well be here because we're not going to get uh, – you, you think about Dozier's ceiling. You think about Mondesi's ceiling. There's no way the return you could get for either one of those guys, I think, would even come close to, to reaching the ceiling that a Mondesi has, the ceiling that a Dozier has. Dozier, of course, you know, that OPS he put up in 2019 was better than what Salvi had last year as an OPS. And Salvi led all of Major League Baseball in home runs. Uh, Dozier, to me, is the opening day DH. Uh, he slides into right field when... Lopez is at short and Witt moves to second base. Um, but, you know, if MJ Melendez and, and Nick Prado are crushing it in Omaha come July and Dozier's hitting below the Mendoza line, uh, it would be difficult for the organization to present a reason why uh, Prado and Melendez uh, languish and, and continue to put up numbers in Omaha while Dozier struggles. Dozier would go to the bench before he would go to another organization in 2022, in my Absolutely. opinion. So to shift back to the big picture a little bit here at the CBA, um, I'm curious who you think benefits the most from it. And on the same thought, who benefits the least? 
like the first thing that came to my mind, honestly, and forgive me, I'm not huge into baseball myself, but um, just Shohei Otani and now at the Universal DH, that this is the league's MVP that is going to be losing at bats. That was the first thing that popped into my mind. So I'm curious, what was your thoughts on? It could be an organization, could be a players, whoever it may be. Yeah, yeah, but but Shohei, you. Even with a universal DH, he, he can serve as the pitcher and the DH in those games. So, so he'll still be able to uh, be the modern-day Babe Ruth. Now, as far as who, who suffers from, uh, I would say guys like, um, you know, I, I, I want to say the, the thing that always – irks me about the, the the way it's currently set up where three years of pre-arbitration and then another three years of arbitration so they got you for six years of big league time before you mm-hmm. uh, you get a chance at free agency I, I would just say the the player like a hunter dozier like a whit merrifield that when you debut at 24 25 which isn't old uh, when you debut at 24 25 you're not going to hit free agency until you're 30 or, or, or 31 um that if if the union was and I'm glad they're not doing this, but if the union was willing to put its foot down and say, uh, until you do away with six years of control or we, we get to our we get to arbitration after two years, um, you know if if they were able to put their foot down and say we're we're going to miss this entire season, uh, if if they were showing that willingness, mm-hmm. uh, I, I could get behind them. So I, I would say the players like Wit, the guys like Dozier that. Still made money, sure, but they had to uh, cash in early rather than bet on themselves because they knew if, if I take this thing six years down the line, by the time I get to free agency, I'm already 32, I'll never cash in. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll take that lesser than deal uh, like with Dick Dozier. Uh, who, who benefits the most? The, the billionaires. Um, yeah, they, yep. they, they, don't, they don't sign bad deals. They, they've been dominating these CBA negotiations for two decades. Uh, they, they gave, they negotiated over those final 48 hours, um, but, but they always come out on top. I mean, this is red, white, and blue. You know, the billionaires always, always <laughs> win, man. Yeah. Yeah, so curious to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, the Royals have – a plethora of young talent coming much like they did about a decade ago uh, that led to you know what we all remember as the golden era of baseball in this city um, curious to see how you think the Royals at least this year are going to stack up against teams in their division and you know I preface that with I actually saw today that the the Yankees and the Twins had a trade in which I thought the Twins, quite frankly, won that trade, acquiring Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Um, So there's teams in the Royals division, like the White Sox, that we know are powerful. The Tigers, in my opinion, are not that far away with the young talent that they got. And the Twins are are also, you know, right there. So how do the Royals stack up against the teams that they're going to face the most this year? Two things. One, I – just because I've, I've heard so much uh, from Denny Matthews and I've, I've, I've watched so many of the old films, uh, mid to late 70s into the 80s, we got to say that was still the, the golden era of Royals baseball. We, we had a nice 
four, five years, 2013 to 2017. That was a nice run, but those, those dudes in the 70s and 80s. It was like a decade. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and they were the best team in you know, three of those 10 years. Uh, as far as how this team stacks up in the division, man, not, not to take a, a cop out, but it always, it, it comes down to pitching. Really, top to bottom. Okay, maybe, maybe Chicago's in a different class. You know, that, that, that lineup, uh, what they've done over the past two years, you, you just have to imagine that that spring training camp right now, uh, those guys want just blood. They just want someone in a different uniform that they can beat in a baseball game. I remember seeing that in the eyes of the Royals in 2015. Uh, and this White Sox team had a very disappointing end to its season last year in the playoffs, just brushed aside as if that AL Central title meant nothing. Uh, so I, I have to believe that, that they're out for blood. Uh, but again, yeah, still, still questions in the rotation. Can Lance Lynn do it again? Um, I think Daly Keuchel's still out there. Um, Lucas Giolito, can, can he look more like the guy we saw in 2020? Uh, but sure, I'll, I'll give you Chicago's the, the class of the division. Uh, but that, that young rotation in Cleveland, uh, if Shane Bieber can stay healthy in the, you know, number two, three from Plesak to McKenzie, um, uh, Savale, and that, that, that's four deep of guys that can shove it up your tailpipe for a strong seven innings. So if those guys uh, do what they're capable of, that's a squad that could fight for a wild card spot. Uh, Detroit is a lot like Kansas City in, in their pitching uh, out, outside of Eduardo Rodriguez, who they signed uh, prior to the lockout. Their pitching is all 2018 draft pick guys, the Tarek Skubles, uh, Casey Mize, a lot like the Royals with Brady Singer and Chris Bubich and Daniel Lynch. So those two young staffs, uh, depending on which of those young arms perform best, that's which team will finish uh, atop. And then Minnesota, I, I thought um, they did a nice job clearing money in that deal with the New York Yankees. I, I, it seems like they still have another move. Maybe they're going to jump in on this shortstop, uh, you know, whether it's a Correa, Trevor Story, maybe they get in that. So we'll see. But I have a question about their rotation. Sonny Gray's nice, but I don't think he's a game one guy. Um, they, they got rid of Jose Barrios last year. So if I had to rank it, I'd, I'd say White Sox won. Uh, boy, to, to, yeah, I, I, I couldn't even say who's the second best team because it, there's – I'll say the Guardians. I'll say the Guardians because, again, the pitching, they've at least done it before, and then it's a coin flip after those two. Well, one last thing, actually two last things before we let you go. One, what does your Royals lineup look like to include starting pitcher come opening okay. day? Opening day? All right. Um, uh, yeah, okay. So we'll say Whit Merrifield leading off in right, followed by uh, Nicky Lopez at second base, hitting second. Um, let's go with... Salvi hitting third behind the dish. Benny cleaning up in left. Um, yeah, we'll give Santana. Santana was good in April and May last year. Santana at first hitting fifth. Bobby Witt Jr. at third hitting sixth. Adalberto Mondesi at shortstop hitting seventh. Uh, Hunter Dozier's your DH hitting eighth. And Michael A. Taylor in center field hitting ninth. Daniel Lynch on the bump opening day against the Guardians at the K. Let's go. <laughs> can't wait can't wait i'm ready i'm ready so and then lastly you're a michigan man that's right 
unfortunately and fortunately, I guess, right? Does the John Harbaugh extension move the needle for you? Jim. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. John Harbaugh. Jim. John Harbaugh. Oh my gosh. Wow. John okay. Harbaugh, I'd love to have him. I mean, look, <laughs> you, look at what he's doing in the NFL. Uh, does, does Jim Harbaugh, does the extent, extension do what again? Does it move the needle for you? Yeah, yeah. The thing is with Harbaugh, even when things were going south, I couldn't say I wanted him gone because I couldn't envision anyone better than him. And it's just so storybook, right? The quarterback that broke his leg and still beat Michigan State coming home to save the program. I just wanted that to happen so bad. And then when it came to fruition, uh, that afternoon in, in, in Ann Arbor against Ohio State, I didn't even care what happened in the playoff, man. Just beat Ohio State. They did that. I was yep. through the roof. When, yeah, when the Vikings said thanks but no thanks and he came back and said I'm here for good, yeah, it, it's – yes. Yes, it moves the needle. And I could do another 20 minutes just talking about uh, Jim Harbaugh and uh, what he could do to, to this Michigan program because I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge they're, they're still not where Ohio State is. And Ohio State isn't where Alabama, Clemson – uh, you know, LSE, where, where those big Southern schools are at. So uh, there's still quite a few rungs on the ladder he needs to climb. All right. He is Josh Vernier. Josh, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot for having me on. I had a good time, guys. Yep. Thanks so much, Josh. It was great having you on. Appreciate it. And that was Josh Vernier, Royals Insider from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. As always, we always appreciate our guests taking time out of their busy days to speak with us and give us insight. So we really enjoy that. No doubt. Vern was awesome. Uh, I, I've, I've said it before. I'm not a huge baseball guy. Might have messed up that DH rule. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Moving past it. Glad we got to talk a little bit about football with him. Um, but I'm, I'm glad for the both of you that you get a full 162-game season of baseball. So uh, props to the... MLBPA, even though they got screwed uh, for getting it done. Yeah, I'm ready for it. And uh, your uh, your hiccup couldn't be <laughs> quite as bad as calling uh, Jim Harbaugh John Harbaugh. That was something else, but uh, in other news. But now that we've had our baseball fix for the evening, let's talk about something real quick before we wrap things up. It came out last week that Deshaun Watson would not be indicted by a grand jury in Houston, Texas, I believe, on his counts of what I believe he was probably, they were going to end up charging him with some type of sexual assault um, or something, yeah, of the sort. Now, this does not mean that he does not have pending civil litigation against him, nor does it mean that he is innocent. Let me throw that out as well it just means that the grand jury decided not to indict him so there are no charges brought against him criminally speaking well now he's out and he's available for anyone who wants his services and we've got some pretty interesting teams that are inquiring about him and the one that really sticks out to me is the Carolina Panthers uh, of course he went to college at Clemson um, I'm not sure is he from is he from Carolina or is he from uh somewhere down south further? Oh shoot! 
you're really p- pressing my football knowledge. I believe he's actually from Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I very well could be mistaken. But um, uh, he's from Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Born in Georgia. Um, yeah, but attended Clemson. So the, the thing about it is he has a no-trade clause. So ultimately, whoever he goes to, he's going to have to approve of that team in order to waive the no-trade clause and go there. There's pretty much nothing at the Carolina Panthers, in my opinion. They're trying to trade Christian McCaffrey, their best player. Smart. There's basically no receivers. Oh, they have DJ Moore. So Give credit to DJ, DJ Moore. Moore. Okay. He's a talented player. And Robbie Anderson's decent. Okay, so, not having Sam Darnold as his quarterback. And who wouldn't complain about that man playing quarterback? So, I mean, you're right. But what do you think about the possibility of Deshaun Watson getting traded to a team like the Yeah, I mean, the Panthers, Panthers. Uh, could certainly pull it off. Um, they honestly need it. Uh, if good old Matt Rule is going to stick around in Carolina because just the way things have gone offensively for that team the first few seasons, uh, they put up, you know, some decent games here and there. But they have not figured out the quarterback situation, which if you can't figure that out, you're not going to have a job long in the NFL. And so, um, to me, this is make or break for Rule and uh, the Panthers GM. So, because if those two uh, can't get this done, uh, they're not winning more than six games this year, uh, barring some other rookie quarterback that is a savior. But I don't see that in this upcoming draft class. So. Yeah, and uh, they'll be up there at the uh, 2023 draft looking for yep. a quarterback <laughs> if they don't do this. So, and then the other team, there's a couple other teams, but I also saw that New Orleans Saints were linked to him. And obviously the Saints are notorious for salary cap hell. How they're still operating as a franchise is beyond me. But what do you think about that potential trade possibility. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't see how they would make it work cap-wise. Um, the the roster would at least be interesting. It would m- give Michael Thomas possibly a reason to uh, come out of whatever the heck he's doing with his life um, and maybe stick around in New Orleans. And then, obviously, Kamar is an insanely talented running back uh, slash offensive weapon. So, that trio right there would give New Orleans reason to be excited. Uh, I just don't, outside of like five first-round picks, I don't see what kind of package New Orleans could put together to acquire Watson, especially after we saw the package that was for Russell Wilson, who's several years older than Watson. Uh, granted, lacks the uh, troubling background um, of Deshaun Watson, but um, the couple firsts and the second rounders and the package of players that the Broncos had to give up to get Wilson, I would just be surprised if the Saints were able to put that kind of thing together. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, he's going to get dealt one way or another. Someone's going to take him on. Don't know if maybe Seattle is looking at him as well with all those picks they now got. Um, Who's to say? But Sean Watson will not be playing in Houston. And uh, if I was him, I'd go to the NFC for sure because that's where the opportunity is. Or is it because what you're about to talk about here in the final play, things have changed again in the NFC. Tom Brady 
He's an alien, ladies and gentlemen. He is a straight up alien. And uh, yeah, I can see you're getting red in the face. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up right now then. Special thanks again to Josh Vernier for joining us. Really appreciate it. Maybe I'll try and get him on again once the season starts. Now it's time for the final play. Isaiah, take it away. I have a lot of things to say. But most importantly, I want to say Tom Brady. You're going to test my censorship abilities. (laughs) Gosh dang, that man ruined my Sunday. I lost an hour of sleep thanks to daylight savings, and I will not be able to count the hours of sleep I will now lose thanks to this man unretiring after freaking 45 days of spending time with his wife and kids and said, you know what, I'd rather go get tackled by Aaron Donald again than do this. Um, so, I just hope that they get to the Super Bowl somehow and that the Chiefs are back in it and Patrick Mahomes can just put a gosh dang wooden stake in this vampire that refuses to go away. Um, leave me, my loved ones, fans across the NFL at peace. We've seen enough. You've done enough. Please leave. In fact, you know what? I hope this last season goes awful for you, Tom. I hope it looks like you should have retired. I hope you are using a walker to get off the field your last game. God. <laughs> so, I'm upset. I, I just, I was so ready for him to be out of the league. And he's back.